We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions, or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another one of our Conversations here with Dan. Mm. Good to see you this morning. Good to see you. All right, so we're going to dive into a question today that came in from someone who's been watching our videos and having some personal Bible studies along the way with different people, and they were encountering something that maybe people have encountered and known it, or maybe they were coming up against some ideas and they might not know where those are coming from. But the questioner asked us to explore what is the tulip and maybe how does that impact our conversations with others when we're talking about Christ and God, salvation, all that sort of stuff. The tulip grows in Holland. I knew you were going to do (laughs) that. No, No, um, many people's theology their their idea or worldview religiously is developed by what some people call Calvinism. Mm. It's really um, not just a theology that came uh, from the study of John Calvin in the 16th century, mm-hmm. but it is an older idea that came from Augustine in the 5th century, which was uh, based on his experience of having so much trouble right. living a righteous life in his younger years, and then uh, feeling that he had a religious experience which enabled him to mm. live a better life. And so. Yeah, it was almost he had had such bad things happen to him that he thought there was no chance that he could have made good decisions coming out of all those bad choice, bad well, things well, happening. Well, yeah, he, he, it wasn't just that bad things happened. He did a lot of bad things. Well, that too. Didn't, yeah. didn't seem to be able to help himself. Yeah. Until finally uh, he had this experience and he did and mm. it developed a theology. But. Okay. On to the question of this person. Uh, Calvinism, as John Calvin popularized the ideas of Augustine, uh, involves uh, this acronym, T-U-L-I-P. Okay. I'll try to put it up on the screen as we go. Yeah, and the first one, uh, the T, stands for total depravity. Okay. This is the idea that um, man is born sinful and evil and the evil is not just that his soul is lost, but that he is incapable of doing good. Mm. He is incapable of choosing the good. Now, is this like from birth, or is this from birth. at some point it develops? No, from birth. Okay. Total depravity says that man is incapable of choosing the good. He's just mm. depraved, and he must be hit by God's grace before he can choose to do the good. Hmm. Now, there's several reasons why that can't be true biblically. Okay. Um, First one, uh, in Genesis 1, we all know that when uh, God created everything, including man, and God saw that everything he had made was really very Mm -hmm. good. See? Now, I bet they would say, but that's before the fall. That's before the fall, yes. That's right. Um, Then you you come to um, passages like... um, Joshua 24, 15, mm-hmm. where
where Paul, Paul, Joshua, <laughs> the other Paul, Joshua, is talking to the people of Israel, and he's asking them to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And what does he say? Let's see, you said 24-15? 24-15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he says, choose for yourselves hmm. whom you will serve. Well, if they were totally depraved, they wouldn't be able to choose yeah. for themselves. And this is Joshua the guy chosen to lead Israel after Moses. Yes, that's okay. right. And yeah. so so another passage along the same line would be Ezekiel 18. Hmm. Ezekiel 18 is talking about the accountability or the responsibility of every person. And verse 4 says... It says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. All right, so... If you read that one verse, every soul belongs to God, and mm -hmm. we're accountable because if we sin, we die. He doesn't say we're just born guilty. He says if we sin, we die. Mm. If you keep reading the chapter, he speaks of a father and a son and a grandson, mm -hmm. and you know, one generation chooses to do good, the next generation chooses not to. Yeah. And then when you get down to verse 20, read verse 20 for me. Yeah. 20 says, the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. And then if I can go to 21, but if a wicked person turns away from all his sins, he is committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right. He shall surely live. He shall not die. All right, so there again you have each person's sin or each person's righteousness mm. is what that person is accountable for. We do not inherit some kind of depravity or whatever from our forefathers. Yeah, even each all the person, way back to Adam and Eve, it doesn't transfer. That's right. And go down to about verse 33 or so, somewhere toward the end of the chapter where he talks about... Um, Cast away from you all of your transgressions. What verse is that? 31. All right, read. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? And Where, then he says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn last, and, says, and live. Yeah, turn yourselves and live. Yeah. So that shows that we have a choice. And that the idea of total depravity, where we can't make a choice, um, is false. We can choose God or mm. not choose God. But total depravity would say you cannot choose God until God zaps you with something from heaven. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Which leads us to another part of the tulip, which is the you part. Okay. The you in tulip is unconditional election. Mm. Now, the hard thing about this is there's truth in that, okay, but not the way it's usually taken. So the unconditional election would be that beyond your choice or beyond your actions or anything like mm. that, God just chooses you. Okay. And that is false because, you know, we read all the, you know, all over the place in, in the Bible about when the word of God is preached, we choose to either open our heart and accept it or mm. like... It says in Acts seven fifty one, resist the Holy Spirit yeah. and and keep it out. So so that part's not true. But what 
is true, which okay. is not what they mean, is that true election is unconditional, hmm. which which means that the predestined plan of God mm -hmm. does not depend on man. And, okay. and that, that means that when God promised Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Yeah. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about that. In your seed, Galatians 3.16 equals in Christ. Right. So in Christ, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Hmm. That is predestined, and that has nothing to do with the action of man. Okay. God brought Christ into the world through Abraham's descendants, and God worked the redemptive work on the cross and the resurrection. And God said, God chose by himself that in Christ, hmm. we would find all the blessings that God prepared for us, and that's predestined. So... The unconditional predestination applies to the large plan, like God promises to save people no matter what, but he doesn't necessarily say that an individual will be saved Well, no what he promises what. is that, that he will save the people that are in Christ. Yeah. What he does not predestine is who will choose Christ and who will not choose Christ. Okay. See, and that's where this unconditional election gets twisted all around by the Augustinian slash Calvinist community, which is still very much alive and well today. And many people, even even as they think of Christians, they feel like that uh, a Christian even can't choose mm. to do good yeah. uh, apart from some miraculous intervention yeah. on God's part. Because it's, I, do they tend to go to passages like there is no good apart from God, and they take that to mean that unless God does it for you, is that kind of what they're getting at? Well, I don't know. There, there again, there is some, there's some truth in here, but we have to be careful. Um, l let's go to the next one, and some of this will come out. Okay. Limited. The L is limited atonement. Okay. The idea there means that the the atoning work of Christ. Mm -hmm. was not really universally aimed like for all people hmm. um, so it was it was specific to the elect or the chosen ones the ones that were chosen ah. by God so the idea being like let's look at first uh, John 2 maybe verse 1 and 2 okay um, Back all the way there first John 2. Or even before first, we can read for you can look up First John two, but mm -hmm. think of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, yeah, that He gave His only Son, that whosoever mm -hmm. believes in Christ should not perish. Well, that's universal. Yeah, see, and that doesn't gives, sound like there's a selected group already, right? And but it is mm. whosoever believes, and that you choose to do that or. Yeah. Not to do that, but go, go ahead. ahead and read First John 2, 1 and 2. 2, 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. One more. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Boom. So that shows you right there that limited atonement is not true. Because Christ died for the whole world, hmm. see, and that would seem to negate the the idea that there are some people who would never be chosen. Right, it, it does, and and see, it's not that people are chosen. That's where this theology hmm. is wrong. Hmm. It's that the plan has been chosen. Yeah, 
yeah. not the people that will fit that plan. Mm. Uh, people uh, in this theology use Ephesians 1, 4, where it says, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and blameless before him in love, mm -hmm. having foreordained us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ unto himself, mm -hmm. unto the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. Right. Now, see, what they read that to mean is that he chose you and he chose me to be in Christ. Yeah. But what it really says, I think, in verse 4 is that he chose us who are in Christ, all those who are in Christ mm. before the foundation of the world, meaning in thy seed, in Christ, yeah. all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Okay. But Calvinists read that to mean he chose individual Individuals. people. Yeah. To be, but it doesn't jive with what we read in the mm. rest of, of Scripture. So obviously, um, I think in um, what Titus 2.11 the grace of God has appeared unto all men, or bringing salvation unto all men, mm. instructing us to the intent that denying ungodly lust and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, mm -hmm. and godly in this present world. So yeah. the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. All right. people. All who will choose Christ. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, we've been talking on Wednesday nights about the parable of the great banquet. Mm -hmm. Well, the invitations went out, but some people turned down the invitation. Right. But the master initially wanted it to go to all of these people, and they turned it down. And so he picked the next people, and they turned it down. And Yeah, so it's, it's, it still goes back to choose ye. And um, Romans 14, 12, each one of us shall give an account of himself mm. to God. So, so it's not a you can blame God. Well, he didn't choose me, so I obviously can't do good. Yeah, and that brings us to the next one, which follows this idea of uh, limited atonement. It's called the I in TULIP is um, irresistible grace. Now, that I'm means, assuming that's on the flip side. You can't avoid God yeah, choosing you. Yeah, it, it's like back in the frontier days of the United States, some of you have probably read Earl West's uh, books, The Search for the Ancient Order, uh, but... Comment below if you've read that book. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, all of us old guys uh, have, yeah. have read it. But anyway, um, he talks about on the frontier, these great revivals that were preached on the frontier with people coming from all over in their wagons and building their campfires and having these massive uh, revival meetings. Yeah. And they would... Um, they would pray through. They would come to the mourner's bench, and they would pray through. And the idea was they wanted to see if they were one of the elect. And so if if they got zapped, if they had an experience of tongue uh. speaking, or they got the jerks or the coughs, or they fell down and had a seizure or something mm -hmm. like that, then that would be irrefutable proof that God had zapped them. He had chosen them okay. to be one of the elect. And that was that was viewed by these people as the irresistible grace of God who hmm. chose you and infused you with grace. And now you are one of the elect and, and that's that. And you can't sin and all, you know, you're just, hmm. you used to be depraved, but now you've been zapped. So does it mean that like, I know that may have been their thought then, but does it in the more close sense of whatever they're trying to express here mean that once you have been chosen, you can't sin? Well, or is it a sign? It's funny that you ask that. Okay. Because the P on the end of the tulip. Okay. Tulip P. Right. That P stands for the perseverance of the saints. 
Mm. And, and here it is boiled down to the essence, you know, like they tell us to keep it simple, stupid. And that is, <clears throat> if you didn't choose God, mm -hmm. but God chose you, yeah. then God's never wrong. And if God is the one that chose you, then he's not going to unchoose you because when God doesn't, you know, God doesn't do mm. things like that. So yeah. once you've been chosen, that's that. And you can never fall away from God because God zapped you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. Mm. But okay. if that's not true, and if we actually choose God and choose to accept the word of God, you know, you've got in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse, uh, what is it, verse 40, with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Mm -hmm. Well, we obviously don't believe that we save ourselves by being good enough. Yeah. But what he was saying is, accept this salvation that God is offering. Save mm. yourself. Yeah. And then in the very next verse, verse 41, he says, They received his word and were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So the, so the ones that obeyed the gospel were the ones that accepted, that received his mm. word. But that implies that there were others that rejected it and did not receive it. Yeah. And, you know, so... Again, this idea of of us not choosing God is simply doesn't jive with with so many different things. And so um, there are many people today who, when they view God's grace, they feel like, and again, this is a delicate balance because yeah. believers who who seek to follow God are never going to be perfect. And they are securing God's grace as long as they continue to try to do God's will and they live a penitent life and everything. But the proponents of this theology believe that there's nothing we can do to be lost mm -hmm. if God has chosen us. So would it, would it be a fair characterization to say that, let's say you have someone who comes to Christ, you know, and we seem to see that they've committed to him, but then at some point in their life, it's not just that they sin and mess up, because we all do that. Sure. But they turn away, and they seem to live the rest of their life in opposition. Yeah. Would it be fair to say that under this assumption, it would be that they were never actually chosen? That's it, right there in a nutshell. They would say that they were never saved in the first place, because okay. if they were saved in the first place, they would never fall away. But Cause the it problem... Because it probably wouldn't be fair to say oh, well, they were chosen there, and it doesn't matter that they lived a horrible life the rest of their yeah, life. They, 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 would, they would say that they never really were saved or elect in the first okay. place. But the problem with that is if you read, um, what is it, Hebrews 6, verses 4 through 6. Let's see. And, and he makes it quite clear there that these people were okay. actually saved. All right, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. All right. For it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they then fall away, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding Him up to contempt. All right, so... If, if they've tasted all those blessings in Christ and the Holy Spirit's been in them and they've, they've done all this and mm. then they fall away. See, that doesn't jive mm. at all with this. Yeah. <clears throat> and if you go to um, Hebrews 10, verse 26. Okay. 10, 26. 
For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for our sins. But what does remain? But a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. All right, so there are two entire books of the of the New Testament that are written on the premise that not only can you fall away, but you you many people do fall away. Um, one is Hebrews. Mm. Um, one is Second Peter. Read Second Peter one, starting at verse five, and mm -hmm. read through like verse eleven or twelve there, wherever that paragraph ends. Okay. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way they will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you... Do these things. If you're increasing in these qualities, you will never fall. But what mm. does that imply? That if you don't do these things, yeah, then it says that you have a good chance of falling. That's right. So this idea of the impossibility of apostasy, or they call it the perseverance of the saints, mm. doesn't jive. Look at chapter two, verse like twenty and twenty-one of Second Peter. Let's see, twenty and twenty-one. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, does that sound like they got saved or not? It sounds like they had left the defilements of the world. So that sounds like salvation to yeah, me. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. If after they've done that. After they've done that, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Keep going. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to the wallow in the mire. See, the sow was washed, but she mm -hmm. got back in the mud. Yeah. Now go to chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, where he caps off the epistle. Yeah. Closes it out by saying... You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away by the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So, I mean, what I'm saying is two entire books, the book of Hebrews and the book of Second Peter, mm. are devoted to this idea that if you don't maintain diligence and if you don't hold on and if you don't hold fast your confession and if you don't, you know, continue to, to try to do the Lord's will, you definitely can fall away from mm. God. Yeah. But that's all true because though God chose his plan and we can't change his, his election, his preordained plan. Yeah. We choose whether we come to God or don't come to God. Yeah. Just like that prodigal son chose to get up from that pig pen in Luke mm -hmm. 15 yeah. and go home to his father, 
So we choose. And if we choose God in the first place, mm -hmm. we can unchoose him later if yeah. we want to. Why would anybody want to? Um, <clears throat> so let's don't talk about this tulip and look down on people because there are many wonderful people that that believe and practice parts of this tulip mm. thing in their religion they're misguided they're they're doing it because they don't understand that it's not biblical but at least we should uh have a little bit of understanding of it and know what kinds of scriptures we can share so that maybe we can we can help them see what the bible teaches mm. so the bible does not teach tulip there are little bits of truth yeah in it if you saw it a little different way but the way they mean it eh -eh. yeah because i mean i've i've always heard people talk about well you know the sheep are in god's hand and no one can pluck them from you know you can't be plucked out you know and so you'll hear statements like that that provide what seems like a grain of truth for these sort of things yeah but did they read the first part of that chapter where it says the sheep know the voice of the shepherd mm -hmm. and the shepherd calls them uh, and they mm -hmm. follow him out and everything. And right. see, those are the sheep that followed the shepherd. There's already relationship and all that other stuff that's there. Right. Yeah. So there's there's kernels of truth is what you're saying. Yeah. Nobody can pluck them out of the hand, but they can choose to wander off and leave. Right. Like we have when the sheep wanders off and Jesus has to go looking for him and all that. Isaiah you know? 53. What's the verse? Seven. All we like sheep. Maybe this is a little bit later. All we oh, like sheep same. have gone astray. Uh, we have turned aside everyone to his own way, and the, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What verse is that? Verse 6 of verse chapter six. 53. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, if you've got other questions or comments on this one, maybe we can explore them a little bit further, but maybe that'll help you understand what it is. You might have heard someone bring up, either the tulip as a whole or one of those ideas. But but let's just say this. Most of your friends out there who may have churches that have this theology, they're not going to know tulip from, they're not going to know the acronym, acronym tulip. They probably just have heard the bits and They've pieces of They've heard the bits and pieces yeah. of this, but they don't really understand that there's this acronym and all that. Yeah. Most of them. Most of them, but yeah. some of them. Some of them probably yeah. do. In the case of one of the guys that we were studying and got the question from, apparently it's come up a time or two. There you go. So hopefully this helps you not only just understand some theology stuff, but greater appreciate what God has provided for us and how he allows us some choice in all of this, which I know that's a big thing. People get really discouraged. When... Well, we can't choose plan A, plan B, or plan C because God has already chosen the plan. There's only one plan. We can't choose that. Right. But we can choose whether to go with the plan or not. There we go. We can decide whether we want to follow him, which hopefully you will. Yes, Yed. Okay. Now let's sing our closing song. What do you want to sing? I think we'll let the closing outro do it for us. <laughs> okay. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.